Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of Grace Point Church in Atlantic, Iowa. My name is Don McLean. I'm the senior pastor here at Grace Point. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can check us out at gracepointatlantic.com. And in the meantime, grab your Bible and check out this week's sermon. While you're opening your Bibles, I just want to share this passage. I have seen more seeds planted, seeds watered, and people come to know Christ through this passage than probably any other passage in the Bible. So, the parable of the sower, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock as it grew up. It withered away because there was no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root, they believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in their honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Gracious Father, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Uh, It is a joy to be your people, and uh, on this Sunday after Easter, Christ is still risen. There's, there's no day of the year where that is not true. We celebrated it in a special way last, year, last week. Uh, but our Savior is risen and ruling and reigning uh, from heaven, and you have sent your Spirit into our lives to, to prevail over us and to comfort us and encourage us and teach us. And that's what we would ask for now. We pray, uh, we pray, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. Speak to us what you want us to hear. And that's what we ask in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. My wife and I have a a gardening book at home. And early in the book, there's an entire chapter, a whole chapter dedicated to dirt. The whole chapter is about soil. And it starts out like this, just a few sentences. It says, go out to your garden site and gather a handful of dirt. Inhale its aroma. Crumble it between your fingers and let it sift away in the breeze. Gather another handful and rub it between your palms. This is the foundation upon which your garden is built. It is your new partner in a great adventure. Well, most of us wouldn't get quite that excited about dirt. Uh, Maybe not quite that dramatic, but uh, the book makes a good point. It's it's right to talk that way, because if you're going to grow a garden... If you're going to grow a garden, the condition of the soil is really, really important. 
right? The soil is really important. You can have the best seed. You can have the perfect amount of rain. You can have warm days and plenty of sunshine. You can have all of that stuff. But if the soil's not good, if you do not have good soil, you will not have a good garden. This morning, we're looking at one of the parables of Jesus, and it's a parable about dirt. It's a story about soil. Before we get into it, though, let me tell you why we're going through this story. Because we're not studying through Luke right now. It's just kind of a one-of sermon. It's sort of a standalone sort of thing. Uh, and, and let me tell you why I come to this passage this morning. Uh, as, as you know by now, Lee, Lee talked about it before. We've been talking about it to varying degrees for the last several weeks. Uh, we are hosting a conference here at our church in May. And it, it actually starts two weeks from today. It's a Sunday-to-Sunday sort of a thing. And uh, we'll have a team from an outside ministry, a ministry called Life Action, Life Action Ministries. And if you were here in 2017, of course, there's lots, plenty of changeover, but, but if you were here in 2017, uh, you might remember the Thirst Conference that we hosted. Uh, this is the same people. It's not the exact same personnel, but it's the same ministry that we did that Thirst Conference with. Uh, that, back then, it was a thirst conference. This one's called a summit conference. Basically, this ministry offers different kind of sorts of conferences that a church could bring. They still do thirst conferences, but we're actually bringing what they call a summit conference. You say, what's the difference? Uh, well, um, as near as I can tell, and I'm pretty informed, the, the main difference is that the summit is eight days long and the thirst is four days long. Uh, that it, it's, it, it is a matter of degrees, and we're, we're investing more time in it, and a team is investing more time. Um, there's, there's a little bit of a difference in emphasis, but, but really they're, they're much the same. It's that same sort of emphasis that, that we looked at last time. The other big difference between last time and this time is that we're hosting it. Last time we, we co-hosted it, and we did it actually at the community center, you might remember. We, we kind of partnered with three or four other churches, including our sister church up in Exira Bethany Church. We partnered with them to bring, uh, to bring that conference to our community. This time we're doing it here. We're doing it here in our church, and we've certainly invited those other churches, but, but we're hosting hosting it, doing it here at our church this time. And uh, as you've been hearing about this, especially for those who are maybe newer to the church, you've probably said, okay, well, you keep telling me, you know, when it's going to be and what, you know, how long it's going to be, all these kind of things. But what's it about? <laughs> well, what's the focus? What's the focus of something like this? And, and when I've answered that question for people, what I keep telling them is that it, the focus is personal spiritual renewal. That, that really is the focus of this, a personal spiritual renewal. And that's not to say it doesn't have ramifications for the church. It is a church-wide conference. I'm sure the body will, uh, will benefit from it as a body. It's one of the reasons the elders and I wanted to bring it back. But really the focus, the actual sessions are going to focus a lot on you and me and our own walk with the Lord, our relationship with him, and how we respond to God and God's word. Before I, uh, I'm going to look at that parable because this parable answers that question: uh, the, How do we respond to God? Before I do that, though, I do have this little video I want to show you. Uh, and this is from the Life Action Ministries. It's just one minute, and it's actually a greeting sort of a thing, and a little bit of an overview. So here's someone with Life Action. So is the sound up and all that? All right, here we go. Let's take a quick look at this. Hi, I'm Shane Black with Life Action. In just a few short weeks, your church will be hosting a Life Action event. And you might be asking, what is this all about? Life Action events are a dedicated time of seeking the Lord together. It's a time for your whole church community to have a shared experience around God's Word, worshiping together and praying in faith for the Holy Spirit to move. 
It's when every member of your family, even kids and teens, can have an unforgettable encounter with God. It's about saying yes to God and putting our lives into action for Him. We hope you'll be a part of these days as we seek the Lord together. take the next two Sundays to lay some groundwork for that, just to help you and me get ready for this event. And I know it's a busy time of year. We won't all maybe be able to go to every single evening and all the sessions that are available because it is an eight-day conference and there is an off day for the team in there, but there were seven days worth of, of, of offerings. The specifics will be, uh, a lot of them are actually in the bulletin, but you know, uh, I know it's a busy time of year. In fact, I'll tell you right up front, I have to miss two of the sessions because my son's graduating from college. So, so there's no kind of guilt in any of this stuff, but we really are encouraging you to avail yourselves of it. And he said it a minute ago, the, the theme of this conference is saying yes to God, saying yes to God. And I want to ask today, how, what does that take? How do we do that? How do we say yes to God? And that's what brings me to the parable of the soils, because according to Jesus, what it takes is the right sort of heart. It takes the right sort of heart. Uh, in this parable, Jesus teaches that our response to God's word flows from our hearts. It flows from the condition of our hearts, which is to say it's not an outside thing. Sometimes we want to think it's an outside thing. I just need to go to the right church or listen to the right pastor or read the right books or you live in the right kind of country or all this different kind of stuff. But Jesus says, no, it's not from the outside. Our response to God is from the inside. It has to do with our hearts. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. If you didn't already, turn to Luke chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 4 through 15. And Jesus tells a parable in this passage. And actually, the parable is in the first half of the passage. The interpretation is in the second half of the passage. Jesus doesn't always do that for us, but he does this time. He tells us the interpretation. And he's going to tell a story about four types of soil, four types of dirt. And he tells us right in the middle of the passage that we're not just talking about dirt, we're talking about our hearts. We're talking about our hearts. So we're actually going to talk about four types of hearts. The four types of soil help us understand four types of heart. And so if I ask, what does it say, take to say yes to God? What does it take to respond to God the way God wants me to respond to him? Uh, these, these parables, these, these soils help us to answer that question. And so we'll look at the four soils, the four hearts, and then when we get to the end, I'm going to ask, I'll tell you now, I'm going to ask the obvious question. And it really is the obvious question. Jesus means for us to ask it. And the question is, which one am I? Which sort of soil am I? So let's get into it. Let's uh, look at the four. Number one, the first type of soil is a hard heart. It's the first kind of heart is a hard heart that rejects God's word. Uh, some people, Jesus says, don't be surprised. <laughs> don't be surprised. He says, some people hear God's word and just want nothing to do with it. They're, they're like hard soil. Their hearts are closed off and uninterested. Uh, he describes it in verse 5. So we'll start with verse uh, 4. And when a great crowd... So there's your context. This isn't a private parable for his disciples, though he interprets it for them privately later. But the context is a great crowd. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, 
Verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Now, before we look at that first soil, let me just explain real quick why we're talking about soils and not sowers. Because your Bible probably labels this the parable of the sower. I know mine does, and yet I, I'm insisting on calling it the parable of the soils. Uh, a few of you might say, didn't he just preach this? Well, he did in 2018 from Matthew. So uh, if it sounds at all familiar, we looked at Matthew's version of this parable. And, and, I, and I made the same point then. I insisted that we call this the parable of the soils because the soils... The soil is what changes. And so the way Jesus tells the parable, he's the one who draws our attention to the soil. The sower is the same. The sower, by the way, is Jesus. The sower is Jesus. He's, he's the one sowing the seed. Uh, he's the farmer in the story, uh, sowing the seed. Um, and by extension, by the way, if, if we won't spend a lot of time on this layer of application, but you and I are sowers too. Uh, whenever we share God's word with somebody, we're, we're that function in this parable. But mostly he means himself. And so the sower is Jesus, but the sower is the same all throughout. And so is the seed. Uh, Jesus will tell us, I think it's in verse uh, 11 or wherever it is. He, he tells us that the seed is God's word. And that's also the same all the way through the parable. The seed doesn't change. It's not like he uses one kind of seed here and a different kind of seed there. It's the same seed all the way through, and God's word never changes. God says, my word never changes. Heaven and earth will pass away, uh, but my word lasts forever. So it's the same seed. It's the same sower spread the same way. The thing that changes is the soil, and that's what makes us pay attention to the soil. So uh, we're going to call this the parable of the soils. Uh, and so Jesus starts with that first soil, and he tells us as far as growing things are concerned, is concerned, the first soil is useless. It's utterly useless. Uh, it's, it's, uh, let me tell you a little bit about, um, let me tell you about farming in the, uh, in the first century. I bet some of you probably know more than I do on this, but let me just uh, bring us up to speed on the setting into which Jesus is telling this parable. So, uh, farming today is very technological. We know that, right? Computers are involved. People get degrees in it. There's specialties and subspecialties. Agriculture is a very uh, complex field in the world that you and I live in. Uh, in the first century, in first century Israel, still took a lot of skill and, and ability, but it was a lot simpler. There, the complexity wasn't there. And what Jesus is describing is a very simple kind of a way of planting. And what he's describing is called the broadcast method. Right, so he's not going through with a, a special planting machine that's putting, you know, drilling a hole and putting the, the seed in there very carefully each time. Uh, he's describing a, a, a farmer, a sower, who's got a bag of seed, and he's walking down the rows of, of his field, and he's taking a handful and scattering it. The scattering or broadcast method. Uh, it, was, it was an effective way in that, in that setting for, for them to grow. It was, it was how, the, how they did it. Now, in Israel... The, the fields, <coughs> of course, there's always variety, but the typical would be long strips, long uh, rows, uh, narrow strips, and then you'd do the walking in between them. And what would happen is, is that you'd end up with these paths. So you imagine people walking on the same dirt over and over again because they don't want to walk where the planting's going to be, and so they walk in the in-between areas. And what's going to happen when you walk on dirt over and over and over again? Maybe your animals walk on it and people are crossing on it. It's going to get packed down, and it's going to become, it's not like, it's not pavement, but it's almost as hard as pavement, especially in a, a dry climate. 
And so that's what he's describing here. So you have the farmer, he's scattering his seed with the broadcast method, and he's just kind of scattering it. And most of it's going to fall in the good soil, because that's where he's aiming for, the stuff where he's planting. But some of it's inevitably going to go to the either side. It's going to go over onto the paths, because that's just how it works. And, and that seed isn't going to grow. It it's, doesn't have any way to get into that hard-packed soil. In fact, he says the birds come. The birds come and, and catch it away. They eat it away. That's the first kind of soil. The, the seed never stands a chance in the first kind of soil, Jesus says. In fact, you could hardly call, call it soil if you thought about it. What's that about? His disciples ask him, what's that about? He tells them in verse 12. Like I said, he, uh, he interprets the parable. Uh, a little later, they get him alone. Luke actually doesn't emphasize that part, but um, it happens later. He, he, they, they get Jesus alone and they ask him. What what does it mean? (laughs) And then he tells them, verse 11, Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Always the word of God. It doesn't change. The ones along the path are those who have heard. He's talking about the people now. The people along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So he tells us in verse 12, the hard soil. What's that? The hard soil stands for people who hear God's word and don't care. They just, they don't listen. It's like, it bounces off. It's like they're wearing, you know, armor or something. It just bounces off. It, it, it makes no impression on their hearts. Their hearts are like that packed down sidewalk-like soil. Um, they, they think Christians are, are foolish for even thinking about this stuff, if they think about it at all, right? Somebody starts talking about Jesus, they just kind of scowl and walk away, or, or, or maybe they even go on the attack. How could you believe such a thing? It's, it's, it's that sort of response. There are lots of factors that can get somebody there, that can cause a person to respond this way. Uh, Sometimes it's kind of preformed opinions. You could even call it prejudice, although not in the sense the word's often used. But a lot of times it's just a a fundamental prejudice against spiritual things. You know, uh, there's a a philosophy uh, called naturalism that really, or naturism, that really dominates our world today. Right? It, all, all that exists is that which we can see in nature. And, and people like that are just confident. They just know there's no God. You say, well, how do you know there's no God? Well, I just know. It's obvious. It's obvious there's no God. That's, that, you get that hard soil response there. Uh, sometimes it's intellectual pride. Right? That's another way you'll see it. You know, someone, you know, the person's He's listened to a few podcasts about religion. Maybe he slept through a religion class in college, and and now he's an expert. You know, Professor So-and-so said that Jesus was just a myth, that he didn't really live. And that settles it for me, you know, Professor So-and-so said. You'll see it that way. It's just this intellectual pride that dominates. Sometimes it's sin. It's not always something intellectual. Sometimes it's sin. Sin can, can make our hearts hard, right? Sometimes... We love our sin so much that we refuse to listen to anything that challenges our sin. Right? We just don't want to hear it. There's lots of ways to get there, but however you get there, the result is that, uh, look what Jesus says. He says the devil comes away and takes away, their, the, takes away the, what they heard. Uh, it's interesting. They all hear. Pay attention to this with the four types of soil. They all hear the word. That's the sowing. Right? They all, and you, could, you can underline it in each of the things he says, uh, they all hear it, but hear what they hear is snatched away by the birds, Jesus says. And the birds, in, in uh, first century Judaism, not universally, but often, birds were a symbol for the devil. 
Now, I don't know why they did that, but, uh, but to, the Jews understood birds to be a symbol sometimes in literature and in the Bible for, for, um, for Satan and for how Satan behaves. And so when Jesus, I think that's why he, that is why he tells the parable that, that way and why he goes there. Satan comes in and snatches away the word because of that person's hard heart. And so the Bible gets lost in a drawer. Right? They've got a Bible, but they couldn't tell you where it is. Or that book, you share a book that was really meaningful to you, and you're like, here, I think this really would help you with that thing you've been struggling with. And next thing you know, it turns up at the thrift store, un- unopened. You know, it's never been touched. And the sermon's forgotten. That song that's filling your eyes with tears. They, they don't even, you know, they're, they're looking at their watch. When's this thing going to be over? It, it's that sort of a response. It's a hard response that wants nothing to do with the things of God. But not everybody's like that. Not everyone's heart is hard. Lots of people are open to spiritual things, very interested in that. Even Jesus. Jesus is an attractive figure if you take only certain parts of, 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 uh, of how he's presented in Scripture. And, and so lots of people are drawn to Jesus. But then other factors get in the way. And that's why it's a parable about four soils and not just one or two. And so that brings us to soil number two. The second type of heart Jesus describes is a shallow heart. A shallow heart that quits, quits on Jesus, quits on God's word. And so now we're not talking about people who reject, right? We're not just talking about a fundamental scowling sort of a hardness. Now we're, we're talking about people who actually seem to have the opposite response. They, they dive in, right? They're excited. They, they seem to give themselves to Jesus quite excitedly, quite wholeheartedly. But then after a little while, following Jesus gets tough. It gets difficult. And they, they, they leave. They, they walk away from the Lord. They quit on God. They quit on obedience. That's the one Jesus describes with soil number two, the rocky soil. Right? Or I'm going to call it shallow soil, but you'll see why in a second. But rocky or shallow soil. Verse 6. Verse 6, he says, And some, so here's seed number two, or soil number two, And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some uh, fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Uh, Many of you know I was raised in a different part of the country. I was raised in uh, upstate New York, and then, uh, so first 20 years or so of my life were there, and then uh, my wife and I, we were actually, I pastored in Connecticut for 10 years, so I got the better part of 30 years living in uh, New England. And I can tell you firsthand that the soil in New England is very different, very different from the soil that we have here. And, and, and it's fertile, it's good soil. I don't mean to say that it's bad soil, but the soil there is filled with rocks. Right? So you, and so especially for me as a you know, native New Yorker, uh, when I hear rocky soil that fell in the soil with rocks, I think of the, my, my father's garden plot. Uh, every year, we, my dad was a big gardener, we had this big garden, and uh, every year your first harvest was rocks. <laughs> you'd go out in uh, you know, March, or probably more likely April, and, uh, and you'd have to go through and, and pull out all of the rocks, like rocks, like this size, maybe a little bigger. And you could have sworn you'd gotten them all out of there last year, but there was something about the geography and all the rest, the heaving of the winter, and there's always just an endless supply, it seems, of rocks coming up from from below. That's kind of how the soil is there. That doesn't happen here. So we look at the soil we have in Iowa. I do not think I have ever once pulled a rock out of my garden in Iowa, except unless one of the kids threw it in there, maybe. But uh, we don't have that kind of soil here. So the idea of soil falling in the rocks, it's a little... Uh, puzzling for us. 
And, and here's the thing, it's, it's not the kind of soil I grew up with in New York. So when you hear rocky soil, maybe some of you I know maybe have had experience in that part of the country, or I don't know, maybe the Pacific Northwest is like that, place where there's lots of rocks in the soil. That's really not what Jesus is describing. What he's describing is something that I don't think we have it in the U.S., maybe in the, in the Southwest, but what he's describing is a soil that looks like regular soil. And so you might have two, three inches, maybe even four inches of, of good soil, but it lays on top of a limestone shelf. I think that would be the right geologic term. And so it's, so you, if you, you know, you put, if you tried to put a shovel in it a little bit, if you hoed on it, it would be fine. But if you tried to sink a shovel down deep in it, about this deep in, you're going to hit rock, solid, solid rock. That's actually a pretty common uh, feature of, in, of, in a lot of places in, in Israel. And you wouldn't really know what it was until you dug down to find out what it was. Really, the only way to find out would be to dig. So if you have that kind of soil, if you can imagine somebody trying to sow seed into that sort of soil, at first it looks great. Because what happens is the seed goes in that kind of soil and the soil tends to warm up quickly because there's, you know, I think it's just physics. This, the, that rock shelf underneath is going to keep the, the warmth up. And so that soil will actually warm up faster than normal soil or deeper soil. And so it gets good and warm and then you drop the seeds in it. And if the moisture is there, if it's the right season, it pops right up. You get green right away and it's great, right? It's, it's really great. But then, when it's not very wet there, and so those, those plants try to put their roots down deeper to get moisture, and they hit the rock. They hit the rock, and then the days get hotter as the season goes on, and the plants wither, and they die, because they can't get the moisture they need, and they can't get their roots any deeper than, an, than a couple of inches. That's soil number two. It's soil on the rock, or as we're calling it, shallow soil. That's the sense in which it's shallow, because it's got this shelf of rock beneath it. Jesus interprets it for us. You're like, Jesus, what's that? What, what, what kind of heart is like that? Well, he tells us in verse 13. He says, the ones on the rock are those who, the ones being the plants, right? The plants are the people. On the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. They sprout right up. <laughs> but they have no root. They believe for a while. And in time of testing, they fall away. So the soil on the rock, he says, that stands for people who, who receive God's word with joy. And we've, we've all seen folks like this. Maybe we've even been those folks, right? You're, they're enthusiastic. Like, this is great. Nobody, didn't somebody tell me about this before. They, they're enthusiastic about Jesus. They start telling their friends about Jesus. They start reading their Bible. In fact, you know, they read their Bible more than you do, you know? And you're like, oh, wow, I never, you know, I never read Philemon or whatever. You know, they're, they're reading their Bibles. They're joining churches, getting involved in ministry, all these kind of things. But they don't put down roots for whatever reason. There's you know, different reasons, but they don't go deep. And, and so when trouble comes along, they give up. They give up. And maybe it was their expectations. They expected everything was going to be easy now. Right? So there's some, some shallow expectations. You know, Jesus is going to you know, make my life better. Maybe they've sat under some, some prosperity teaching. Right? Jesus, will, Jesus wants you to be happy, healthy, and wealthy all the time. Right? And, and, and then they, they get sick or their business fails, or whatever is going, something goes wrong and it doesn't work. Following Jesus is hard, and so they walk away. When I was uh, about 12, a friend of mine, a friend and I decided to build a pond in, our, in my backyard, it was my backyard, and um, I actually lived out in the country in the part of New York where I lived, and we had this dry little stream that ran down the edge of our property, but in the springtime, it was kind of like a 
pretty good water. You know, the water would, would flow a lot in the, in the springtime. And one spring, when I was about 12, he and I decided we would build a pond. So, so what we wanted to do was dam up this stream. And so uh, we, we were all in on this project, as only a 12-year-old boy could be. And, and we, uh, we got some logs, and we dragged these big logs over, and we built a dam. And then we started taking some of those rocks, like I said, lots of rocks. And, and we, we filled in the holes, and we were packing mud and stick and branches. And, because what we wanted, I didn't say this part yet, we wanted to create a place for frogs to live. <laughs> we wanted a frog pond. And, uh, and so we were building this dam, and we uh, built a canal around the side so the overflow would go. And pretty good for a couple of guys who didn't know what they were doing. And so we, we built this, and, and it worked. It took a couple of days to build it, but it worked because we went back the next day, and, and it was this beautiful little pond. I mean, I don't know, not huge, but, you know, six, ten feet, something like that. And, and some frogs had moved in, and the water was beautiful. It was just nice grin. Oh, I felt so good about it. However, we failed to plan for maintenance. This is why I'm a pastor, not an engineer, I suppose. Uh, it never occurred to us that, that this was going to need work. And my friend went home, and I was left to do the work. And, and it needed work because uh, we'd get a lot of rain. It was, it was spring, and it was, you know, we had a couple of heavy storms. And, and I went out to check, and part of the dam had washed away. And then the, the overflow thing, we built it back up. But then the overflow thing kept getting clogged. And I couldn't go fast enough to keep it from getting clogged. And very quickly, I should probably be embarrassed to say this, but I kind of did the, you know, just ignore it and hope it goes away kind of approach. <laughs> And very quickly, uh, you know, within a, you know, I don't know, a couple of weeks probably, my, my nice clear pond turned into a mosquito-infested swamp. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and my, my father made me go out and tear it down, right? Get, get that thing out of there. Uh, and that was, that was that, right? Sometimes people come to Jesus that way. I tell you that story to say this. Sometimes that's how we come to Jesus. We jump in with enthusiasm. We're so excited. We got this thing we're going to do. We're, 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 we receive Jesus with enthusiasm and joy and, and excitement. But then following Jesus gets tough. Maybe there's some persecution. Uh, maybe, like I say, it doesn't meet the expectations we had going in. Maybe we don't get discipled, and so there's others who, you know, the church fails to come alongside. Uh, whatever it is, for whatever reason, they don't get to put down roots. We don't get to put down roots, and we give up. We quit, because it gets tough. We're like a, a withering plant in shallow soil. That's the second response Jesus exposes. Number three, the third type of heart he describes here uh, is a distracted heart, a distracted heart that drifts away, that drifts from God and God's word. And so what's the difference between this one and number two? Well, the difference is, is these folks don't quit on Jesus. It's not that they kind of walk away and say, forget that, I tried the Christian thing, that, you know, I, I was, I was this phase I went through in college, but it turns out it's, it's not for me. It's not that response. No, they keep hanging on. Right? You, you still see them. They're still around. We're still around. But over time, we drift. We drift away. And that's what Jesus is describing with soil number three. It's uh, the soil filled with thorns. Number seven. Verse seven. And some fell among thorns. And some of the seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up with it and choked it. Again, forgive the personal stories this morning, but... Uh, 
I like to garden and think about dirt. Uh, a few years ago, I, I tried to grow some wildflowers in our garden. So Laura and I like to the garden. And I will tell you, usually I prefer vegetables. And, and she would too. We're both just kind of practical that way. If, if I don't have something to eat at the end of the day, why did I do all that work? And so uh, usually we, we don't, we're not really grow flower types, but one year I, I decided to grow some flowers. And, uh, and so we had this packet of, of seeds. They, they looked beautiful. The picture on the outside looked beautiful, wildflowers. And, and I thought, well, that's great. Let's do that. And so I, I prepared a little spot in our garden and, you know, built up a little bed, and, and I, I used, you know, I mean, they were tiny little seeds, so I kind of used the equivalent of the broadcast method, right? I just kind of sprinkled the seeds in the bed, and then, uh, you know, covered it over and walked away to see, you know, wait and see what happens, right? Let's, let's see what, what comes up. Uh, and uh, right away, I went out about a week later, and there's all kind. I mean, it was like a little bed of green. There was all this green in the, in the flower bed that I had planted, and I was looking at them, and I knew right away I had a problem. I had a problem, and here's the problem. I know vegetables. I've been around growing vegetables all of my life, and so usually I can tell the difference between a green bean plant and a weed, right? You know, even when they're a little little, really little, I can tell the difference between most vegetables and a weed. But I don't know anything about flowers. And I looked at the, all these little green things that came up, and, and I knew, just looking at the rest of the garden, oh darn, this is that time of the year when all those little weeds come up, and I could not tell the difference. I couldn't tell you which ones were flowers and which ones were weeds. I didn't know. I probably should have went and asked one of you who, are, who know flowers, but I'm too proud for that, too prideful for that. So I decided, I decided instead to wait. I'll just wait, right? Let, let, let it all grow. I'm sure the flowers will, will come out on top. Nope. <laughs> you know what happened. The weeds won. The weeds won. They choked out my flowers, and about a month later, I don't even know if we made it that far, I got the shovel and I dug the whole thing up and, and called it a day. That's a pretty good picture of what Jesus is describing in verse 7. He, he, they're called thorns. It's a specific plant that grows there, but it's, it's just weeds. You could call it, you know, it's just weeds. And so, some of the seed, he says, you know, some went into that on the path, some went in the shallow soil, but some went in soil that was good and fertile. But the problem with that good fertile soil is that it also had lots of weeds in it, lots of thorns. And so the seed grows, but so do the thorns. The seed and the thorns, they grow together. And because the thorns are left unchecked, they choke the plants. He uses this rather strong verb. It's a very vivid picture. The, the weeds choke the plants. And so they actually don't die. Notice they don't seem to die. They keep growing, but there's no fruit. They're completely unproductive. There's no harvest from those plants. What's that one? Well, Jesus tells us in uh, verse 14. As, uh, verse 14, And as for what fell among the thorns... Uh, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. The soil with the thorns uh, stands for people who let life crowd God out. And, and this one, to me, every time I preach through this parable, I have a few times over the years, this is the third, the third one is always the one I go, that's the one I'm in the biggest danger of. Maybe you're there with me too. The, the thorns let life crowd God out. And so they're drawn to Jesus, they believe in Jesus, they give their hearts to Jesus, they're living their lives for Jesus. But as the days go by, slowly, imperceptibly often, the circumstances of life choke, strangle their faith. 
And they don't even know when it happened. If you ask them, they couldn't tell you when it was, but one day they look up and they realize, you know, I, don't, I haven't been to church in five months. Or I, I can't remember the last time I read my Bible. Or I can't remember the last time I even thought about God. They've, they've drifted away. Notice how he says, notice what causes this. Sometimes it's the good things. He, he talks about riches and pleasures. And I don't think that the term is, I don't think it's being used negatively there. Uh, he, he says riches and pleasures of life. They could be like thorns. And so good things can choke our faith. You know, success, prosperity, you know, wealth can, can choke our faith. Uh, the gift of sexuality can choke our faith if, if we become obsessed with it or put it in the wrong place. Romance. Uh, entertainment, all good things, even family. If we're not attentive, even family can, can do that to us. Even good things can choke our faith. And then other times it's, it's bad things. Other things, uh, uh, bad things can distract us from following the Lord. They don't have to necessarily. Sometimes bad things, hard things in life push us to Jesus, but sometimes they pull us away. He uses this word cares, and you, your translation might say anxieties or worries, uh, because that's what it means. That word cares means uh, worries or anxieties, the cares of life. And so it's, 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 that, it's those hard things that we all have in our lives. You know, how am I going to pay the bills, pay the mortgage, save for college? Uh, what if the doctor's wrong? He says this thing's going to get better, but what if it doesn't get better? Uh, what, if, what if this inflation doesn't turn around? You know, the prices keep rising and rising. My income is fixed, though. Right? Many of you are, are you know, on fixed incomes. All of us, in a sense, are in fixed incomes in, in, in a way. You know, prices keep going up, but, but my, my, uh, my income's not. What, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, those kinds of things, Jesus says, those cares, they can be just as distracting from the Lord as the pleasures are. Right? If we focus on them, if we, we let the worries of life become our main concerns, then, then they start to crowd out, crowd out our walk with the Lord and our obedience to his word. And, and we drift. We drift away from God. So that's the third soil. That's soil number three. Now, before I move on to number four, let me stress something about the first three soils. And, and what has to be stressed is that they are all unacceptable. None of them are good. I think this is probably the biggest uh, mistake people make sometimes with this parable. And you may have even heard it preached uh, incorrectly, if I may be so bold. Uh, the mistake we make is that we see a ranking here. As if soil number two is better than number one and number three is better than number two, but really what you want to be is number four. But, but there's not a ranking here. There's no ranking. We don't get to say, well, at least I'm thorny soil, right? Thorny soil is better than rocky soil, right? I mean, at least something is growing. That's not what we're supposed to do, do with this parable. And here's why I say that. And this will make a lot of sense to us. According to Jesus, the way he tells the parable, all three soils, the first three, are all useless to the farmer. Right? If you're that sower, are you happy with the thorny soil? There's nothing, it's, there's no fruit. Right? The, the thorny soil is as useless to the farmer as the soil that, that turned out nothing. Right? He has no fruit from any of them. And what the, you know, Jesus says, I, you know, I call you to bear fruit. <laughs> and, and so the, the first three soils are all fruitless soils, which means none of them is what we're supposed to aspire to. None of them is where we're supposed to be. The only good soil of the four, the way Jesus tells the parable, is the fourth soil. The fourth soil is the sort of soil we're supposed to be. The fourth soil is the right sort of soil. So let's look at what it is. 
And it's, pretty, uh, it's actually pretty self-explanatory, especially in comparison to the first three. Uh, the, first, the fourth soil is a responsive heart. A responsive heart that receives God's word. Uh, he says that uh, here in um, verse 8, right? So verse 8, let's read what he says. And some, it's very short, and some of the seed fell into good soil, and it grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. Seed must have grown somewhere, or they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have farmed, right? They would have stopped if nothing ever grew. And that is how Jesus ends the parable. It ends with a, a happy ending, I suppose you might say, for such a short story. He says, some of the seed fell in good soil. So yeah, he was spreading the seed, and some fell in, in, on the path, and some went where the rocky shelf was, and some went where the weeds were, but some fell on good soil. And that, that seed grew. Oh, it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it yielded a hundredfold. A hundred times return, he says. Uh, that was a big harvest in the first century. I know we get much higher yields than that these days, but do not downplay that hundredfold. Uh, in their context, that's a harvest you remember for the rest of your life. I was reading this week, kind of the typical, um, a, a bad year might be 10, 10 times return on the seed you plant. A really spectacular year it would be a hundredfold. So it wasn't an impossible harvest. Uh, you, you would get one, but you might only see a couple of them like that in a lifetime where you get a hundredfold return. And, and that's what he describes here, right? So from a good soil, you get a good harvest, he says. Good soil yields a good harvest, which is exactly what the sower wants. Uh, who's that? Well, verse 15, he tells us who it is. Uh, as for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit with Patience. So, people who respond like good soil, uh, they're not like hard soil that's hard to the things of God. No, they're, they're soft. Their hearts are soft. They, they, they hear God's word and, and they're open to it. They receive it. The way good, soft soil receives the seed that's planted in it. They're not hard. They're soft. Uh, people who respond like good soil, uh, they're, they're not like that rocky soil. No, they, they hold on to it, he says, and they understand. There's just no flash-in-the-pan conversion that kind of, you know, plays around with it for a little while and then walks away when it gets hard. No, they, they set down roots. They let uh, the gospel take root in their hearts. They let God's word take root in their hearts. And it changes them from the inside out. It's not just kind of conformity changes, conformity to the, the, the group around them, but the change starts to come from within. And so their faith is deep and sincere. He uses that word. Uh, finally, people who respond like good soil... Uh, get rid of the weeds. They're, they're not like that thorny soil where the thorns and the weeds are growing up along with the plants. No, they, they, they weed them out, right? They keep the soil weeded. They don't let the cares of life, the good ones or the bad ones, they don't let those things strangle off their faith. Instead, they submit. They receive and they submit to God's word. And God's word produces a harvest in their lives. That's, that's the good soil. It's a responsive heart that receives God's word and lets it grow in their lives. And all that brings us back to what I called the obvious question at the beginning, because I think that's why Jesus tells this parable. He tells, us to, tells it to make us ask, what sort of soil am I? Where do I fit? Where do I fit in this story? Uh, Jesus says something uh, to everybody. Remember the context I said, verse 4, it's told to a great crowd, so he's talking to all kinds of people when he tells this parable. And then he, he wraps up his parable with, I think, words that sound kind of mysterious to us. He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
He's actually quoting Isaiah chapter 6 there, verses 9 and 10. You could go look it up. But he who has ears to hear, to hear let him hear. And, and it sounds like a strange statement to us, but really what he's doing there is he's putting the question to the listener. Can you hear what I'm saying? Are you listening to what I'm saying, Jesus says? Where do you fit in that story? What kind of soil are you? And, because then in verse 10, look at what he says in verse 10 when the disciples kind of ask him why he tells in parables. Basically what he says in verse 10 is there's a lot of the first three soils out there. Right? So, so he's really just, in verse 10, he's just describing the first three soils in a different way. They've got eyes, but they don't see. They've got ears, but they don't really hear. They've, they've got a mind, but it doesn't understand the things of God. Why? Because they're one of the first, they, they respond like one of the three, the first three soils. Are, are you one of those, he says, or are you like good soil? Are you like good soil? Do those, do those ears... Uh, Actually listen. Do you, do you actually listen to what Jesus is saying with your ears? What does it take to say yes to God? What does it take? Well, we'll wrestle with that question in the Life Action Sundays, the two Sundays, the, the evening sessions that, are, that happen. Uh, we'll wrestle with that question. But the truth is, we wrestle with that question every day, which is why if you don't go to any of the sessions, I still wanted you to hear this parable today. Because we wrestle with that question every day. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this is one of the basic issues of your life. Every day we have to ask, am I going to obey my sinful desires or am I going to obey my Lord? Which, which one? Am I, am I going to go my own way or am I going to go his way? Am I going to do what he calls me to do? Am, am I going to respond like bad soil or am I going to be cultivating a heart that's responsive, that's receptive to the word of God? Which kind of heart am I going to have? What kind of soil am I going to be? Would you pray with me, please? Uh, Father in heaven, I pray you would make us good soil. Uh, make me good soil. Every, every one of us. I, I, there's, uh, this parable is so rich, and I, like what Sandra said, what you got up to read, the, uh, it, you've used it in so many ways. Uh, in, in, in a way, this describes the basic first response to your word, to the gospel. And yet it also describes our daily, our daily fight for faith, our daily struggle. And I want to pray that you would make us each good soil. Uh, forgive us for our bad soil tendencies, for those places where we've responded more uh, like uh, thorn-infested soil or soil that is shallow or any of these other things. And, and transform us. Be changing our hearts, Lord, from the inside out so that that good soil response is more and more in increasing measure what classifies, what typifies us in our walk with you. This we ask in Jesus' name.